Okay, Coach, how's it going? Oh, good, busy, just riding away, burning. I'm burning down all those trees, unfortunately. <laughs> hey, that's what planting more trees are for. Um, yes, Coach, I'm going to introduce myself uh, first this time. Okay. And I'm going to say, like I was saying in the pre-show combo, that my name is Sherry Wilson, and I absolutely love the work we do. Well, Greg McNeil, sometimes they call me coach. I agree with Sherry. Absolutely <laughs> love the work we do because it's what we were born to do, right? You know, it's like um, we are keepers for one another. Mm -hmm. If we understand that, then it, it, you know, it makes it easier for us to find out what our light is and shine it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what we do. We help people to we find and fulfill whatever that vision is they have, right? Yeah. And I, I love doing it. I think also we have the ability to make, I don't know if make is the right word, um, strongly encouraging by captivating our audience and then forcing them to look inside. Because <laughs> like I told you at the time management class I did yesterday, you know, it's like deer cotton headlights because they did not expect to go into internal work. And when you know, number one, what works, but number two, it's what you love to do. Uh, it just happens. It doesn't matter the topic. I mean, any topic you will. Oh, oh, do you see that coach? You'll find me. Oh my goodness. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Got some fireworks going on behind the scenes. Um, it is. But you'll, you'll find us going into the internal world. Cause unfortunately, especially in our society in America, the Western culture, people don't do that. Uh, they nobody wants you to go inside because mm -hmm. when you go inside you get answers so we want you to stay outside on the surface because on the surface of things you know you can be like a leaf in the winter blown to and fro right any kind of idea can catch your attention for a moment they only need you to be distracted for a moment right guys see this is what i'm talking about working with coach <laughs> you have heard me say he drops truth bombs i mean you know, it's like, yeah, they don't want you to go inside because that's where the answers are. I mean, if you could see what happens to me on the inside when these bombs just go off, I'm like, coach, you did it again. Oh, my gosh, that's so true. <laughs> just stuff I don't think about. Um, oh, that's so good. Okay. Pivoting. Coach is a master at pivoting. And I, I would like you to define it. I don't even want to try to define it. I'd like you to define it, you know, examples, what that is to you. And I'll jump in and stuff. But Coach is so good at this. I was like, we need to get this recorded. This podcast is all about pivoting. Go ahead, Coach. I'm ready. Okay. So here's, uh, let me see. Maybe there's a few examples. So let's see. Yes. Thing I think of is you're driving down the road and then all of a sudden <clears throat> you find out that um, your GPS is a little bit off. So the, your directions are not quite what you thought they were. Yep. You have to pivot. You have to take the next exit and then you have to turn and go back in the other direction that you were going and then get rerouted. Right. Yeah. So if we start with the idea that you may be going in a direction that may not necessarily suit you, then you need to change. Mm. That change is the pivot, right? Yes. So whether that be 
changing your coordinates on the road or changing thinking patterns that can cause you to be unnecessarily delayed, frustrated, distressed um, in various degrees of pain, perhaps maybe in relationships that do not um, suit you. Yeah. And when all of these situations and circumstances, when we encounter them, they give us a joke. What is that? Right. That's the time to pivot. You get a you get a, a message in your mind. There's something your intuition hits you. There's something that is not right in your circumstance. Um, and the more you know yourself, right? Yeah. That's a key part in the, the ability to pivot, right? So you recognize that it's like, you know what? I deserve, right? So here you are, listener, ma'am, sir. I deserve to be treated with respect, love, and so on. Once that thought goes into our head, then that's going to cause us to pivot, to change the way we normally allow people to engage us in relationships, right? Yeah. So you're in a relationship. It's not very healthy for you. You might love the person, but the relationship is not healthy. Well, if the relationship is not healthy, the next thing you think is, <laughs> I love this person, but I also love myself. Yeah. Ding, pivot. Yeah. Right. You need to make a change and turn. You need to change the circumstances. So when we think about pivot, when I think about pivot, changing, making a move, I'm doing something that, first of all, I'm addressing something that needs to be changed. Yeah. Right? And the minute it comes to my awareness, really in my awareness, not just a thought, but it's probably accompanied by another uh, sensation, like something in your gut, right? Yeah. It's like, you know what? Okay. I have this thought in my head. I've been thinking about this. Now I'm starting to feel funny about it. I just don't think this is a good situation for me. Pivot. Yeah. Right. The minute that comes pivot, because the pivot is giving you a chance to change your circumstances, to change your thinking, to change your relationships, the ones that you have with yourself first, primarily. Yeah. And then the ones that you have with other people. Right. But to pivot, you have to go back inside first. Right. Because you have to know where you are and what you value. Yeah. Right. Because that's how you're going to turn or pivot. So how is that to get started? Okay. So I have <laughs> several thoughts. Number one, if you go back to the GPS example, um, when you're driving and you realize that you are on the wrong road, you don't spend the next hundred miles contemplating that and being no. fearful to turn around or to take the proper exit. You instantly recognize I'm on the wrong road and I'm going to pivot so that I can get back on track. So what I find a lot of people do is when they have that inspiration that comes to them that, okay, this is the wrong road or this is the wrong person or this is the wrong decision, instead of taking that exit, they will stay on that road and you can even have years later. Uh, so 
I, uh, an example that's similar actually came to my mind when me and my friend, when our kids were little, I'd go visit her with my son in uh, Colorado Springs. And we wanted to, me and her were going uh, shopping for some material for some curtains that she wanted to make. And we head over to Denver and she put in the address for the, the, you know, the shop that we're going to, she'd never been there before. And so the GPS is telling her to take this exit. Well, I'm over in the passenger seat and I'm looking at the exit. And I said, the only thing that is off that exit, because there were no streets anywhere else is a parking lot. If we take this exit, we're going to end up in a parking lot. And I'll never forget her response. She said, but that's what the GPS is saying. And I said, I don't care what the GPS is saying. I, as a human with eyes, I'm telling you, (laughs) it's just going to take us to a parking lot. Coach, she would not listen. She listened to the GPS. We get off of the exit. Guess where we ended up? A parking lot. And so I, being the personality that I am, said, I told you, <laughs> you know, yeah. and, and, and that was just a fascinating example of you can actually use your eyes and see that we're going to end up in a parking lot. And I think a lot of people, their subconscious is overpowering that, that, hey, you need to pivot or you're going to end up parked for the next 10 years, 20 years. Why? Why, coach? What causes that? Oh, wow. So you just said something that was really quite profound. <clears throat> so when we start talking about the subconscious, right? Now we're talking about essentially the program that you're running off of every day. Yeah. Right. And how do you know you're on a program, dear listener? If you get in your vehicle and you drive to work and um, oh, when you get to work, you don't remember how you got there. Mm. You just got in your car and you just took the same route every day. Yeah. You didn't look to the right. You didn't look to the left. You didn't notice anything on your way to work. You just drove. That's a program. So yeah. when somebody says, did you notice so-and-so on your way into work? And they said, no, I didn't see anything. Well, that's what you're talking about. Yeah. Is that when we allow ourselves to become so conditioned that it does doesn't matter what your eyes are actually seeing. Your brain is telling you that you're seeing what you have been conditioned to see, Mm. right? So they miss it. So that's the other thing. Um, Making your eyes and your mind work together is a training process. It is. Otherwise, you're seeing what you think you're supposed to be seeing. And we, and this happens in, you know, in so many areas of our lives. I mean, but that's what really comes to my mind is that when you're talking to somebody and you know that they can hear you, but they're not able to connect to what you're saying because they're operating on a program. So in this case here, she pulls off the road and you're in the parking lot and you're like, um, Hey, I told you I'm looking at the parking lot. Right. And she's like, but this is what the GPS said. That statement right there is a powerful one because what she says is this information is more accurate than me trusting my own eyes, my own intuition, and everything else. Yeah. Yeah. 
we get to that point, we're just in trouble, right? Because, yes, yes yeah, because you can't see what's happening next because something else is operating. And that's, you know, I want, let me just go back and throw something in it. When we're in the woods, we had to learn how to use a regular compass. Yeah. A traditional compass, not a battery powered one. As a matter of fact, they were like, you need to put that thing away. Yeah. Because if you get up here in these mountains and a peak blocks a tower, you don't have a signal. Your compass, your electronic compass no longer works. So you have to learn how to read the terrain very differently. And this is what you're talking about. Reading terrain is a studying process. Um, learning how to pivot means that you have to know something about yourself so you can pivot. If something outside of you is dictating what you do, you're not ready to take another step. And that's what you're describing right there. It's like, I'm not riding with you again. <laughs> you know what? Yeah, I know. I'm like, okay, this is dumb. And, you know, and I don't like wasting my time. So I'm like, you're wasting my time. Well, so a couple of things that happen. First of all, when coach says what I said was profound, number one, that's like huge. Number two, that means I dropped a truth bomb. Like I saw his goatee hairs move just a little bit when I dropped it. Uh, so then what happened next, Coach, is so we're in the parking lot. <laughs> and anxiety, a little bit of anxiety hit. Not me. I'm like, you know, I know where I'm at. You may not know, but I'm aware. And the anxiety was, well, how am I going to get where I need to go if the GPS is incorrect. And I said, well, I mean, there's a way to solve this problem. You know, like you can, um, we, you know, she didn't have a map of Denver. Uh, so, you know, I know how to read maps. I could have, okay, we're here. Let's go here. You know, I could have guided her, but we didn't have a map. And I said, well, the, the first thing would be to find a landmark that is close to that you know, street, because, you know, one or to just put the street in, don't even put the shop in, let's just get the street in and uh, like an intersection that's close. And then we'll go from there. And so that's exactly what we did is we just put an intersection and, uh, and then we were able to get to the shop. And I guess the shop had recently moved and it had not updated or whatever there was a glitch but the anxiety was interesting because what it did is it shut down her ability to come up with a solution yeah because she wasn't thinking she was she was not in her head the first place right yeah she was already outside yeah yeah. yeah. And of course, you know, I saved the day coach and, you know, with my ability to think outside, got us there. But so, okay. With that being said, because like, you know, when I, um, you know, talking about the work you're doing to, to, you know, become a PhD and you had to pivot recently. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. then <clears throat> I was telling you like for the last two or three weeks, I was thinking about that story when you were in the woods, you heard a rustling in the bushes and you immediately pivoted, like physically pivoted, had your weapon at the ready, where my comparison was being on my front porch at my old house at night, heard a rustle in the bushes, and it was like slow motion, and it ended up being a dog, but I would have been dead, coach. If it was <laughs> Ted Bundy or BTK, done. Uh, so 
as far as even physically, but especially the inside world, can you give us maybe one, two, three things that can cultivate? Because what I hear in the ability to pivot quickly is flexibility. That's one. Okay. But how do you develop flexibility? How do you uh, make yourself uncomfortable enough, I guess, to, to be able to pivot on the fly? Like what are, I mean, how does that even happen? So there is a a lot, there's a lot goes into that type of, um, I can give an answer, but what we're really describing is an experience, right? Okay. So the ability to be flexible is actually an experience more than it is a mental construct, right? You just understand that, um, if we, so the seasons change and they require us to adjust, right? Because it's 115 degrees there. You don't want to go out in a winter, in winter clothing. So you adjust. So if we, if we look at life as something that we're constantly adjusting to, we adjust to age, we adjust to uh, different stages in our lives and cycles, then the idea of being flexible then can kind of like go right along with that. Okay. The the other thing is, I would say, beware of the attachments that we have. So Love that would it. be number two. So if mm-hmm. we say flexibility is number one, you know how my brain goes. So I better write this down so I don't forget. <laughs> um, see, I just forgot already. Attachments. Flexibility yeah. attachments. Yep. Yeah. There we go. And um, the attachment piece is really important because we we can be holding on to things that we think have value to us. We want to learn how to question it. Let's, you know, the first place to allow yourself to get uncomfortable is question what you hold on to. Mm -hmm. We're not saying that you have to give it up, but just evaluate it. Why am I doing this? Why am I holding on to this? Why am I attached to this particular thing, object? Why am I attached to this particular thing, way of thinking, right? Yeah, or outcome. That's right, or outcome. Because once that occurs, then the ability to be flexible then is diminished. Okay. Right? Because you start to kind of like grip down. Yep. All right. The other thing is letting go. That's the biggest one. It's like, well, how do I let go? Well... How do I become flexible? How do I learn how to let go of attachments? So now then I'm going to take you back to the writing piece, right? Mm-hmm. Writing is always important in a world, in a time where you're conditioned by things so quickly. You know, you pick up your computer, your phone, you're constantly, as soon as you turn it on, you're getting a message. You're constantly getting messages. Yeah. And we also engage in that platform, right? Yes. So we stay in that same kind of place. To go inside in the way that you were talking about in the beginning, I'm saying you need to write about it. Yeah. Because writing is a process that takes the outside, the inside, and it puts it on the outside so you can look at it. If it just stays in your spoken word, 
we tend to have gym gymnastics here. Mm -hmm. We're about to say something in public, but we won't say it because somebody might be thinking about it. Yeah. So we can play a lot of games when we keep things in our head. But once we say flexibility, attachment, and letting go, what does that mean for me? What does flexibility, what does flexibility in my life look like? Yeah. In what ways am I flexible in my life, right? In whatever way that is. In what ways am I not flexible in my life? Yeah. Right? And then attachments. Look at what I have around me. Why do I have these things? What are their real value to me? Yeah. And why am I holding on to it? This is not me saying that you empty out your house. It's just saying, become aware of what you are attached to, your physical uh, material possessions, the friends that you keep, the language you use. Why? Why are you, you attached to those things? And uh, and then when you're writing about it, when you get to the last one, which is letting go, when you're letting go, you will find that this is what I'm letting go of. Having looked at myself from a, being a flexible person who is able to be aware of his or her attachments, I am now ready to move into the next space where I can say, I can let this go. I can let this go because. Yeah. Right. You see, because means they've done some work. Yeah. Right. But without doing the work, we, if we're inflexible, we're likely to stay there. Yeah. If we are inappropriately attached to things, we're likely to stay there. Yeah. And the idea of letting go is a non-starter. Right? Yeah. Um, so there's certain things in life that we are not able to get around. It doesn't mean that they have to be difficult, but we're just not able to get around. It's sort of like a process, right? Like um, trees don't spontaneously grow. Yeah. They take time. A bamboo will grow under the surface for five years, right? Before it breaks wow. the surface and we can see it, right? So there is preparation that is required that we do. Um, and unfortunately, preparation is also the boundary. It is it is a boundary that can um, that can help you, but it is also one that contains you because if you don't change, then you'll be contained in that that construct that you're currently in, inflexibility, you know, inappropriately attached and um, with an inability to let go. Yeah. Um, so I would say step one, before you pick up a pen, before you just rush into it, like it's something that you're going to change right away, stop. Don't do anything. Sit down, be quiet, listen to some music, take a walk, get away from the exercise, get your mind prepared for what you want to do next. Because what you're really saying when you pivot, what we're really saying to you is, if I want to change my life, I need to change a direction. Yeah. And if I'm going to change a direction, I need to do three things. I need to be flexible in my thinking and my actions and my behavior. I need to be flexible and have the courage to look at what I'm attached to and the courage to be able to let go of anything that does not serve me, 
well or those who I serve well, right? Yeah. And that's a faith journey. It is. You know? Yeah, and that's why we, this is why we are like we are. We can laugh and joke and then there's sometimes we'll just say, hey, 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 cut the shit, excuse my language, yeah. right? Because sometimes we have to say that because we understand that, dear listener, everything that we say to you, we walk through every day. Yeah. Every day. We don't get a chance to, to talk to you unless we do that. So you're talking to people that do it every day. We walk in that space. And so because we walk in the space, we can change. So when I hear something in the woods, I can turn, mm -hmm. right? Or another thing is I train and work out. So when I'm in the woods and I hear something like that, my heart doesn't say, oh, Lord, is this it? <laughs> you know, because if you don't think your body is ready to do something and something scares you, right, you're ready to start praying because yep. you don't think you can make it. <laughs> yep. So for me, what happens is when I hear that, it's like a quick turn on my head, a few quick running steps, and then I look back. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, I'm thinking of uh, a couple things that, uh, might be good to end with the one that I think is a, a warning is, and I don't remember coach the scientific name. I've talked about this as an example before, but I think it's cost bias or cost something bias. And what that means is those that, uh, is it Mount Everest? A lot of people have died climbing mm. Mount Everest, I believe. And what happens is they get like past a certain point of the climb. Uh, researchers have noticed. So they, they're more than halfway. But when you look at their oxygen levels, they don't have enough oxygen to get them to the top. But a weird psychological thing occurs where they convince themselves in spite of the clear data they do not have enough oxygen to get to the top that they can make it. And the researchers have said that it's uh, like, you, uh, oh, uh, cost, uh, sunken cost bias, which means, yeah, they have put so much effort, planning, money, time, physical pain and exhaustion into their endeavor that they cannot let go of the outcome that they expect in spite of the clear evidence that if you keep going, you're going to die. I mean, that's, that's, if you run out of oxygen, when you're climbing that mountain, you, you're going to die. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. And they can't get to you close, you know, soon enough to rescue you. So that it was a phenomenon they began to study. So I think for a lot of people, when it comes to maybe jobs or relationships, it's hard to let go because of the sunken cost bias that they've put years or they've put tons of money or they, you know, tons of education to be in this position. It's very hard for them to let go. The second thing that's tied to that is it's actually an emotional vanity. It's called overattachment. And it's where you uh, become so attached to a specific outcome, you will not let go. For two. Yeah, exactly. And so sometimes, guys, you just, that's the only way out. You have to. That's the only way out. So your choice is to stay in that situation and die a slow death or to pivot 
and have the life that you want. And it's a hundred percent worth it. It takes bravery. Please listen to the previous episode if you haven't. But we're telling you by experience that when you're at a point where the only option is death. So if you're in a relationship and you're looking at spending another 20 years with this individual and you know you're going to die a slow death, get out. If you're in a job where you're being mistreated and the workplace environment is hostile, get out. I mean, those are the things you have to do. And the final example is my dad. When he was dying, he's in the hospital. At that point, we didn't know if he was going to die or not. Um, but the doctor spoke to me outside and said, your dad's chances of surviving are 70%. And his chance mm-hmm. of death, you know, obviously is 30. And I'm like, well, that's good, right? And he goes, no. Mortality is past, I think, 20-something. He said, so what I'm telling you is he's probably not going to live. And I was like, wow, okay. And um, he said, but he could pull through, you know. Uh, but I, I, you just need to know. And do you want me to tell him or do you want to tell him? I said, I'll tell him. So I go in there and I'm trying to keep myself composed, you know, dad, this is what the doctor said, of course, can't talk. And then finally, I got it out. And I'll never forget his response. He said, well, little one, it is what it is. And I'm looking at him and he goes, and I'm sorry. And I said, I mean, you know, I'm thinking you're not nervous. You're not scared. He just, that's what it was. And later, when it looked like he was getting better, he was very thankful and grateful, and he was emotional about it. But the facing death, he said, it is what it is. And that was stunning. That was a pivot because he loved us and he he wanted to be with us, but the news was what it was. So sometimes you have to look at the circumstance as it is. Don't put rose-colored glasses on. Don't make it worse than it is either. You just look at it, and then you have to pivot. And that's it. That's that's the only decision you can make. True. That is true. That's powerful. Um, I I think I'm going to stop speaking on that. That was... Drop the mic. (laughs) Was that a truth bomb, Coach? Did I just do it again? (laughs) It was powerful enough. Drop that. (laughs) It's like, that's a poop. (laughs) 